Go ahead and be seated. I liked that uh, inclination to to clap. We do want to just honor those who have led us in worship. Uh, My name is Adam Peacock, as you've heard, and I am really honored, really blessed to be given the privilege to share here this morning. I uh, appreciated the introduction from Paul and and maybe uh, what blessed me the most about uh, that introduction was he said that we're friends. And uh, I cherish that title in our relationship. Thank you. Sincerely, Paul, uh, I am grateful to be considered a friend. Paul and I, um, there is just... I think an affection and appreciation between us. Um, We've built some memories together over the years. We've had some good eye-to-eye connection. We definitely have some uh, some points of fellowship, and and I won't talk about them uh, exhaustively, but we have some fellowship over football. We both love football. Um, Though I don't know that we knew it at the moment, I think it's very possible that Paul and I played high school football against one another. And um, uh, a little bit to my chagrin, uh, I think uh, my senior year, uh, Paul and I played against each other. I, I, I played for a school that will go unnamed, but is, it's kind of hated by most schools here in Sonoma County. And he played at the, the, the really wonderful school of Rancho Catati and... Um, my senior year, we played uh, at Rancho's home field, and we lost, and in the decisive play of the game, I was called for a penalty that cost us the game. Uh, I'm not a dirty player, uh, and frankly, I, I still contend that it was a bad call, but uh, Paul got the upper hand there, but we had some fellowship over football, both in the past and, and as fans now, we have some fellowship over family. Um, because we love our families and we want to be faithful husbands and fathers. We have fellowship over Sonoma County. Uh, We love this place and we feel called to this place. And I'll talk more about that. Um, I'm most grateful for our fellowship in Christ, um, which anchors and roots us, and our fellowship and love of the word. I just want to really... commend Paul to you as a pastor and as a follower of Christ in terms of his love of the word of God. Um, I just, I love hanging out with him in that regard. And it's not just um, what Paul knows as a student of the word. I always learn from him when we talk about the scripture, but it's his approach to the word. It's his desire that he would be convicted by the scripture, that he would not just be a student of the word, but a doer of the word. And um, because of that, I see uh, the word alive in him, and I see him growing as a result of that. And I love the way that he is um, really faithful to study the word, to show himself approved, himself approved, and then to bring the word here to this congregation 
um, and uh, to bring it with a love of the word and a conviction of its power in the life of the people of God to produce uh, the fruit uh, of the truth in our lives, the fruit of, um, of what the, the word is meant to do in our lives. So um, I'm honored to have the privilege of being able to, to bring the word. Uh, I'll just confess to you that I am overprepared and that I have more to say than I have time to say or probably the capability to say this morning. And so they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so we're going to talk about this picture in just a moment. But um, before we do, just want to share a, a quick story with you um, that relates to my heart for this morning, which is to bring encouragement. I heard a, a story from uh, uh, a woman. She works on staff with Transforming the Bay with Christ. Her, work, her name is Veronica Hanniger, and she's been here often. She works to kind of encourage uh, service and outreach across the Bay Area um, in, in uh, churches reaching out to meet needs. Um, but she was sharing a summer story. Uh, similar, I loved how we started with God moments, right? That was so good to just hear how God's at work in our lives. And, and that type of encouragement is a huge part of what the body's to be about and speaks a little bit to what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, but we heard about walking out, you know, getting out and walking this morning. And, and that was so beautiful. Veronica likes to get out and uh, ride her mountain bike. And she's got a young son. And so she told this story. She said, at one point uh, on this ride on her mountain bike outside in, in trails outside of Santa Cruz, she said, I was climbing a large hill. And I guess I was struggling more than I knew. Some of us can relate to that as we get out and try and exercise. And she said, my son started to just whisper under his breath, go, mommy, go. I don't know. I heard that story and it just, I was just transported to the moment. Go, mommy, go. And um, this morning, my heart is to be an encouragement to you. I don't want to presume about the power of my voice in your life, but even if it's just the, the slightest whisper that you could hear me say, go, Soma, go. Go, Soma, go. Because I esteem you. I value you. I believe that God has you here for a reason and a purpose, and I believe that you matter far more than you know. Go, Soma, go. As you look at this picture behind me, our, our title this morning is Oaks of Righteousness. As you look at this picture behind me, would you just raise your hand if this looks like Sonoma County to you? All right, well, you're accurate. It's not a trick question. Uh, hopefully, this looks like Sonoma County to you because we see a lot of this in Sonoma County. And, um, you know, there, there's two main features, not counting, I guess, the blue of the sky that we see. Again, not a trick question. What are two, two things that feature very prominently in this picture? Oaks. And what else? Dry grass. Oaks and dry grass. And you see a lot of this 
today, everywhere you drive, everywhere you look. And by God's grace, I'm, I'm hoping that this will just be a picture that kind of lodges not just in your mind, but in your heart. Because where we focus, right, where we focus matters a lot in regards to our perspective and whether we're encouraged or discouraged. Where we focus matters a lot in terms of our perspective and whether we're encouraged or discouraged. And I don't have just a little time, but I just want to I want to drill down on this a little bit. In Matthew chapter 13, this isn't our main passage, but Jesus tells a parable of the wheat and the tares, right? And in the parable, the the master, the God figure in the parable plants a field. It's a field that's designed to be fruitful. And, And it's a field of wheat. And it says in the night, the enemy comes and sows tares, and then in the, the morning, right, it's, it's a, a story, right? So time is compacted in different ways. The servants go out and they recognize, wow, an enemy has sown tares in the field. And they come back to the master and they say, should we pull the tares out? But the master says, no, lest you uproot the wheat with the tares. Let's let them both grow up into fruitfulness where we can more easily distinguish the two so we can harvest the wheat and and remove the tares. And the point of that story is that the farmer planted the field with a focus on the wheat. And even though the enemy came and was doing things and there was other stuff going on, even though the servants got distracted by looking at the tares, the father, the farmer, never took his eyes off the wheat. His focus was on the wheat. There's a story, an amazing story, maybe one of Jesus' most kind of marvelous miracles, depending on how you look at it, most surreal miracles. Jesus is known for this incredible thing he did of walking on water, right? And in the account of that, uh, Peter says, if that's you, command me to come out on the, the water and I'll come to you, right? And, and so Jesus says, come. And Jesus uh, invites and commands Peter to get out of the boat on the walk on water. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water, but then he sinks. And why does he sink? He sinks because he takes his eyes off Jesus and begins looking at the wind and the waves. He cries out to Jesus to save him. And Jesus in his grace is right there, right? To, to pick him up and to save him. But, but he says, Peter, like if you just kept your eyes on me, be great. But you sank because you did what? You turned your eyes, your focus on the wind and the waves. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning to keep your focus on the things that God has encouraged you to keep your focus on. In this picture behind us, we have this description uh, in a, a picture of Uh, the distinction between oaks and dry grass. And throughout scripture, the righteous are compared to trees and the wicked are compared to what? Grass. Yeah, grass, tears, different times. So so as you're driving around in Sonoma County, as a result of our encouragement, hopefully this morning, um, I wanna uh, hopefully make it that when you look at oaks, you'll be encouraged. So let's jump in. 
uh, to our main passage of scripture for the morning. It comes out of Isaiah 61, verses three through four. And I'm gonna start, uh, just encourage you to listen uh, with verses one and two. It says this in Isaiah 61, starting verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Does anybody recognize those verses by any chance? If you do, you may remember them not from Isaiah 61, but from Luke 4. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus is baptized in chapter three, and then in chapter four, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then as he comes back from that temptation, it says he starts his public ministry going into a synagogue and the scroll of Isaiah is given to him and it's opened up and Jesus proclaims these verses. Some of it, some people call it Jesus's proclamation of his mission statement. This is who I am and what I've been called to do. And it says he stopped there and he sat down and they were all looking at him and he said, today these verses are fulfilled in your hearing. Now we get to our passage for today, starting in verse three. He says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Amen. Wow. What an interesting thing here. We have such beautiful hopeful verses. The first thing that I want to say is that uh, these verses are so encouraging, so optimistic, because it's a proclamation of a God of restoration, a God of redemption. We see um, these words like uh, ruined and devastated, right? But then we see these other words that are present in there of rebuilding and renewing and restoring. God's message through Isaiah is a promise of rebuilding, renewing, and restoring what has been destroyed, ruined, and neglected. If we had a little more time jumping into kind of, you know, the the Hebrew for um, the description of these cities, right? You would see things like, uh, things that had been, uh, over a long period of time, broken and dysfunctional, right? It kind of speaks to that element where you're like, hey, I grew up in Sonoma County, and for as long as I can, uh, as long as I can remember, our planning department and our civil government has been crippled by bureaucracy and making bad choices, some of you have, have seen uh, bumper stickers. I don't want to get overly political here, you know, but it said, you know, make buying a gun as difficult as getting a building permit, right? Because for a long time, it's just been difficult. 
You know, for as long as we can remember, you fill in the blank. I remember the first time I had a chance to go down to Nicaragua and being in the capital city of Managua, and they had a they had an earthquake in 1972 that devastated that city. And yet, for at the time, I was I was there in the in the late 90s, and 30 years later, it looked like the like the earthquake had happened two weeks ago. It was just not rebuilt at all. It was just an entire generation just grew up with the ruins. It also here reflects um, the, the impact of a sudden devastation. How many of you remember what Coffee Park looked like after the 2017 fires? Like in a single night, you went from a neighborhood. I lived on Hopper for years. It was my last house that I lived in before uh, I got married. And uh, my wife and I moved in together. And so I just remember that neighborhood. Um, And then in a night, I remember I went back, you know, uh, I think October 10th, I went back on Hopper and and had a chance to get in there. It may have been a couple days after that. And it was just totally devastated. It's that type of devastation that's talked about. It's also talking about this element of neglect where you see something that maybe you remember as being beautiful and rich and vibrant, but all the goodness has been extracted from it and taken. And so what used to be good is now polluted or depleted or neglected. And God comes here and and in the extension of what he's promised and what's been fulfilled in Jesus, he proclaims that those things that you've known as devastated and ruined and neglected are gonna be rebuilt and renewed and restored. And he's gonna do it through these things called oaks of righteousness. Why oaks? Oaks can thrive in dry, nutrient-poor soil and transform the place where they are planted. How many of you have ever heard Sonoma County referred to as hard soil when it comes to the gospel? Some of you have probably said that. I love this picture of oaks of righteousness. I, know, I love the fact that oaks are the most iconic part of our natural ecosystem here in Sonoma County because they are a promise of God's purposes that Sonoma County is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord as surely as the Lord lives, because he promised it in Numbers 14, 21. That, um, that Sonoma County, though our soil can be challenging, we're actually the second most biodiverse county in all of the United States, and that there's a lot more life going on here than we have any idea. That we look, when we look at our landscape, that when we see an oak, we should see a testament of hope and promise. That the me has become the they. Look at your neighbor and say, the me has become the they. Who is the me? In Luke chapter four, when Jesus proclaimed, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Who is the me? Jesus. But then there's a transition from me to they. Who is the they? Us. We are the they. And we have been planted like oaks of righteousness 
here in Sonoma County. Oaks are a keystone species and are essential to the ecology of Sonoma County. Is okay if we look a little bit at our natural environment? I think about Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, preaching one of the most famous messages of all time outside. And he said, as they maybe saw a bird fluttering by or heard it chirping, hey, look to the birds. There's a picture of how God's at work in our lives and world there. He said, hey, see those lilies over there? Consider those lilies. There's a picture in the world around us of the nature and character and purposes and plans of God. So I want to point to the oaks today. A keystone species is a description that's come about based on this picture of an archway, which is one of these really powerful uh, architectural tools that we have. And the keystone is at the top of the archway. And it's this single stone that if you remove it, the entire structure will crumble. And what they've seen is that there are particular parts of an ecosystem where if you remove the health of that ecosystem, the, all the life cycles of all the different elements of life begin to crumble. And the oaks are the keystone species in an environment like we have in Sonoma County. So let's talk about three lessons that we can learn from oaks that encourage us in regards to what it means to be oaks of righteousness. And I will go quickly on uh, this journey. The first one is trust. In Psalm 37, verse 3, we are encouraged to trust in the Lord. Psalm 37 brings forward this uh, comparison between uh, the grass, the wickedest grass, and the, the righteous as uh, trees of righteousness. So something that's interesting about oaks <clears throat> is that when they're first seeded, they put all of their energy in their roots and their rootedness. They prioritize the unseen. They prioritize the unseen. They prioritize the roots. This is one of the, the themes that comes up over and over again when the righteous are compared to trees is their rootedness, right? Like they will be like those who, put their, who are planted by streams of water who are able to put their roots down so that even in trial and testing, they are nurtured. Right, It's this element of the fact that we're to be people of the word, people of prayer, people who are not looking at the way that the world looks in terms of what success looks like, but that we are investing our life in the things of God, in our relationship with God, in the truth of God, that we're putting our roots down into the soil of God's word, his purposes, his ways, his truth. As a result of that, uh, oaks' roots uh, go down in such a way that they are not only able to draw uh, the nutrients they need and the water they need from uh, a deep place, but also from a broad place. Generally speaking, an oak's uh, root structure is at least twice as broad as its crown. So what you see 
of what looks to be their life and your sense of who they are and what they're uh, all about is about half the truth, right? The crown is like the glory of the tree, but the true glory, the true impact, the true emphasis is what's going on under the surface. And we see this picture again and again and again that God uses the same things that are not seen about our life to truly anchor us and to reflect the impact that we have, the influence that we have. The other thing that's so amazing in regards to this element of trust is this element of they, that the testimony of uh, the life of a, a healthy follower of Jesus is reflected in their ability for relationship and koinonia and fellowship. That the church looks different than most of the world because the types of things that distinguish and divide the world are things that the church is able to transcend because of Christ. And so we are able to not be divided or distinguished by the way that the world does. This is one of the works that God's doing in the church, right? Is, is helping us to, uh, to not reflect the church in, I mean, the world in the way that we only get together with the same, the people who look the same with us or think the same as us or vote the same as us or all of those things, but that, that we can be across different backgrounds and socioeconomic things because the greater element of what unites us in Jesus transcends those things so that uh, Paul could say to the church, there's neither you know, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Those were huge social implications there. It was the diversity of the church and its ability to love across lines that the world wouldn't cross that was part of the testimony that said, there's something different about them in the way that they love one another. Lastly, what's so cool about this element of trust is that oaks thrive and mature through testing. It is actually in some of the difficult things that the roots go down deeper and further. And oaks actually thrive and mature if they are tested by fire. A healthy oak woodland will have fire come through every five to 10 years and it wipes away the things that would actually compete with the, the um, life and the maturation of the oak, and they're designed to actually get better through testing. That'll preach. Trust. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 talks about the fact where God says, my ways are not your ways. They're higher than your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. This is one of those key elements for us when we talk about this is, is that um, the oaks of righteousness, they have a trust in the Lord. Trust is a bridge that causes us to be able to journey from our ways to God's ways. Secondly, service. Psalm 37.3 says, and do good, and do good. Oaks are absolutely incredible in their service to the world around them. 
Part of what makes them a keystone species is their capacity to minister life so broadly. They say that uh, over 5,000 insects and microbes are absolutely, um, absolutely dependent on the life cycle of an oak. 2,000 plants and vesi- uh, different types of plants and vegetation depend on the oak for a healthy life cycle. 168 different types of butterflies and moths depend on oaks for their life cycle. 160 different species of bird depend on the oaks for their life and their life cycle. And if you're understanding the math, part of that's because they are dependent on eating the insects that are dependent on on the oak for eating that, and that goes on to, a, to 80 different species of mammals are dependent on the oaks for their life and life cycle. Do you know that oaks produce something called an acorn? So a little participation, a little please, just raise your hand if you know that. Thank you, I'm in the right place. I wanna tell you something amazing about the prolific nature of oaks. Oaks produce acorns. Acorns are their seed, They are their fruit, but we call it a nut, right? Acorns are a form of nut. Do you know that more acorns are produced in the United States by oaks every year than every other type of nut combined? They are prolific. They are ready with a word in season at every moment. They are prolific in their feeding, in their ability to nurture. And it's not just the amount of food they provide. It's that the way that they're structured and function, they they create a space for protection. They create shade. They create structure in homes as as, um, they they sometimes create a, a space for beehives and squirrel nests and little crevices that protect particular insects from the birds that want to come and get them. They serve in absolutely incredible ways that you don't see and know, but because of their heart to not grow weary in doing good, they just continue to give and give. And in the way that they do that, they begin to nurture good and an ecosystem around them because they have a a framework in their lifestyle of investment and stewardship versus consumption and extraction. One of the reasons we need encouragement is because God wants us to not grow weary in doing good. To not grow weary in doing good. And to not judge based on just the transitory nature of our culture only by the things that we see or by how fast we expect certain results to happen, but just to keep being oaks of righteousness, just to keep loving, just to keep praying, just to keep offering a word of encouragement, just to keep uh, looking to express good, not because uh, of trying to earn anything, but as an outflow of the fact that we are offering to the world around us what we have received from from the Christ who saved us. That's a good chance to say amen.
Last point, because I know we need to move on. Presence. What's interesting about this impact that I've talked about is that the, the impact of an oak on an ecosystem, why it changes an ecosystem is its presence. Oaks mature slowly. You know how they do so much good? I just talked about so much impact and good. It's not the result of franticness. It's the result of faithfulness. Oaks mature slowly. They're not frantic running around. This don't grow weary in doing good is not me saying do more, try more, sleep less, you know, maximize every moment to try and prove that you matter. No, it's about faithfulness. It's about putting your roots down deep in Jesus. It's about trusting him in the way that you go after him. And it's about discerning those opportunities and and saying yes. And it's this element of simply being willing to be present where he's planted you. We have a crisis right now with Oaks in Sonoma County. Oaks have about, a lot of them in our area, have about a 300-year life cycle. It's amazingly um, symmetrical, actually. They say it takes about 100 years for an oak to grow to full stature. And then for about 100 years, it just manifests its full power to transform the ecosystem around it. And then for about 100 years, it slowly um, it slowly decreases until it dies. And we are enjoying the benefit of, um, of stewardship. The, the indigenous tribes would steward the oaks. They understood how important they were to the environment, um, but we've cut a lot of them down, right, for our vineyards and our, our housing areas. We've not replanted them. And one of the reasons why we have a challenge is because... Um, you know, uh, government and environment groups are starting to do it a little bit more, but um, on private property and in a lot of other type of business areas, people don't like to plant oak trees. And guess why they don't want to plant oak trees? It takes too much time. It's going to take too long for them to look good. But our environment doesn't need trees that look good. It needs trees that are good, that will steward it into its life and future. See, God has designed us to live lives of faithfulness, to not be in a hurry to try and, you know, get through a six-week discipleship program, but to be disciples. To not expect God to, to just make us perfect so we don't have to work anymore and can cruise on you know, comfort zone, but to recognize that he sometimes matures us through challenge and trial. And that we can serve in such a way where we don't have to get an attaboy right away, but we're just willing to be present because we're doing what we're doing, not because of, you know, who the world is, but because of who Christ is in us. And so we are called to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I I could say more, as you can tell, but we need to wrap up. And so um, I just want to close with a a blessing 
of um, reading these first few verses of Psalm 37 as an encouragement and encourage you that I see you as oaks of righteousness. And even this very room where you come and pray and worship every Sunday, you are cultivating an atmosphere that matters. Do you know that in this very room, since you've been meeting here, I've had the chance to meet with the FEMA's head for faith-based initiatives. And he came here in this very room to talk about the way that the churches in Sonoma County responded to the fires and the subsequent disasters and the model it was. Just a couple months ago, I was here with Chris Corsi, the, the head of the chair of Sonoma County Board of Supervisors uh, around a similar subject. And he was talking about how much we need the churches to just keep being the churches. We don't know or see often the impact of the testimony, but it's happening through the way that we're loving the widows and the orphans, the way that we're present in different areas of need in our community. And so uh, I want to encourage you, keep being oaks of righteousness. Psalm 37, one through five, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him, trust in him, and he will act. God, thank you for Soma. Continue to nurture and encourage and cultivate your life in them. Lord, may it be said that the church is the keystone species in Sonoma County, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name, amen.